0: This week, Ann and Phil Carlson return for a new episode with special guest Len May, CEO and co-founder of Endocanna Health. Len joins us this week to share how his childhood ADD diagnosis led him to cannabis, then to dispensary real estate, and on to launching Endocanna Health. He also talks about his company's DNA test and how they create personalized cannabinoid recommendations and what's next for his company and cannabis as a therapeutic. If you are interested in learning more about Endokin Health and its testing to deliver personalized guidebooks to the endocannabinoid system, visit the links in our show notes. Also, be sure to follow Len and Endokin Health on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And as a special treat for Green Rush listeners, use the promo code GR20 for a discount on your purchase of a DNA kit from the Endokina store. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Len May of Endokina Health.
1: Len, thank you so much for coming on the Green Rush. We're so excited to have you. Um, before we dive into all of the wonderful things that Endocanna Health does, can you give us a little bit of your cannabis journey and what led you to, you know, where you are today?
2: Yeah, sure. And I, I appreciate being invited on. I I know this is going to come out later, but it's it's my birthday present is being on the show so i appreciate it
1: (laughs) happy birthday (laughs)
2: thank you i don't think we've
1: ever had a guest record a show on their birthday so this is the
2: first first of many things are going to be first today but uh my my cannabis journey started with uh, i'm going to see if i can paint a picture so imagine a kid that's sitting in a classroom and the teacher's talking but you're you're thinking about what's going on outside, where recess is happening, what's going to happen for lunch, and the teacher calls, and you're and you sort of disorienting a little bit. That, that was me, and as a kid, I was diagnosed USB with a ADD GR when I was in my early teens, maybe about DNA 13 or 14.
0: From the and I was put on so prescription sit medication back and enjoy for that. Our conversation and, with Len you May, know, the prescription
2: okay. medication, I can't say it didn't work, so because if the intent is to focus... Some of so did sit allow me to focus, our but it Lende took away any Fidokina feeling health. of self that makes any sense. And I was hanging out with some older kids and they asked me if I wanted to smoke a cigarette before school. Like, Yeah, cool. You know, I'll, I'll be one of the cool kids. I'll smoke a cigarette. I never questioned why they only had one cigarette, which uh, now uh, in hindsight was, uh, was <laughs> odd, but uh, they had a cigarette. So we passed it around. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it got to me. I, I was dabbling in cigarettes. uh, Took inhaled, didn't taste like a cigarette. I think I may have coughed a little bit, so I just wanted to make sure. And I did it again. Same kind of flavor, and they're all laughing at me. And like, oh, you know, that's that's weed. So they actually put you know cannabis in in a cigarette. But and I wasn't. I can't say I was overly high that I, I remember, but. When I went back to class, all the windows in my head sort of narrowed and allowed me to focus. So it became my go-to medicine for me. I had no idea that it was medicine for anybody else, but I never communicated. Even, even socially uh, consuming cannabis, I never told my friends, besides like the effects of uh, euphoria and all that other stuff, that it was actually helping me with my uh, ADD. So my parents kept catching me over and over and you know, uh, punishing me. And I, at some point when I was in my late teens, my parents actually uh, ended up calling the cops on me and trying to have me arrested. Wow. Taking me out of the house. Now, the irony of the story is both- wait, And
1: parents, where is this That the, wait, where- Oh, uh,
2: it's, in, it's in Philadelphia. Okay. So I was uh, I was raised in Philadelphia. And uh, the irony of this whole story is that my parents both consume formulations that we, we created for their conditions now. And my dad's a big uh, supporter of uh what we do so it came full circle but
1: he was also a product of the time too right like the war on drugs this is your brain on drugs don't get your kids hooked on like i mean all of that stuff was was also very like not that i'm defending your parents for calling the cops on you but
3: because i remember a a friend of mine in high school his dad found a splint for his finger and his dad actually drove him to the police station and said i'm turning you in for this use this to (laughs) sell drugs and he's like no, I broke my middle finger. <laughs> See? <laughs> so it
2: was, it was definitely a different time back then. You, yeah. you, you're both of you are, are correct. And, you know, being a parent myself, I probably would have handled it. Well, I definitely handled this differently. And I mean, but also, you know, this whole thing of authority. Uh, there, was, there was so much fear mongering in the space over the years. Many like it's illegal, first of all, you were going to get arrested. And it's in my house and it's a drug and you're frying your brain and all those different things like Nancy Reagan, uh, you know, told us over and over and over and dare, and all those things. But nobody ever questioned the most important thing. Nobody I don't remember anybody ever asking, well, is there any science to support? Is there any evidence to support what you're saying? But because, you know, it's propaganda. We've had propaganda since reform Madness and even before that. But nobody ever down the line, nobody ever questioned this uh, thing. You know, it's the same thing as we get, you know, the food pyramid or how the bread group is the first or dairy is really good for you. So we get into these uh, things that Those we don't Those are the question. days,
1: though. Am I right? <laughs> There were, but
2: we don't question Bagels it. Bagels
1: and milk. I mean, get, tell me something better. Sorry, that's
2: yeah, it's, it's a very nutritious meal. That's that's <laughs> a, that's the first pillar of that. Exactly.
1: Pyramid.
2: But and potatoes. So,
1: Sorry. Exactly. And starches. <laughs> yes. Let's
2: let's go. Um, so all that allowed me to. Uh, so I was uh, on my own, and it was a very difficult time. But uh, I got a job at a music store called Tower Records, and became a buyer for that store. of Anyway, any of you, uh, probably people my age remember, the young kids probably don't remember, but it's the greatest record store ever. It was the best yeah. job. They paid me $7 an hour, but it, it was. Wow. Fantastic. So, but I got I got a chance to go to concerts. So I went to this concert uh, festival called the Horde Festival, where oh, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blues Travelers, Ziggy Marley, the Black Crows were mm-hmm. headlining. Uh, actually, I'm wearing a Black Crows shirt now. I, not <laughs> enough. So, but there was a group of kids uh, there, they had a banner called the Cannabis Action Network. And uh, I came up to them I'm like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're fighting for legalization. I'm like, how? Well, we're registering people to vote. I'm like, and what else? Well, we're registering people to vote. So anyway, I became the president of the Cannabis Action Network. I held the first ever rally at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, where the Constitution, Liberty Bell, and uh, Declaration of Independence, by the way, all on hemp paper. And I held this rally, and my keynote speaker is this woman named Elvi Masika. And Elvi was one of the first people to get uh, federally prescribed cannabis under the NIDA program at the time. I think there was sixteen at its height. Uh, I think there was four. Maybe there's only two that are still alive. And which blew my mind. I was like, "Well, what? What do you mean? This is illegal." And uh, you know, my parents just kicked me out for this. They. I almost got arrested for this. But this woman has this jar. Of pre-rolled cannabis uh, cigarettes, basically joints, and in a tin jar with a USD label on it, and I don't understand. So, and she lit up in front of federal rangers, and she's legal. And uh, next morning, everybody uh, everybody crashed my house. Next morning, I was woken up to a loud noise, and Elvi uh, has degenerative glaucoma; she can't see. And she walked into a sculpture I had in my house and broke it. And she felt so bad, but she didn't didn't see it. And I, and then I had my second aha moment because she started medicate and she could see still wore her glasses and all that stuff. I'm like, wait a second, it's medicine for me for my ADD, but it's also medicine for her, for her glaucoma, which now like, there is no such thing as you take an acetaminophen and it's, you know, for everyone, this actually works differently for different people. So, uh, my, uh, the person I was dating, who's. My, my ex-wife now said, I have to get a real job after a while. So I went to work for corporate, I did a stint at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and some venture capital stuff. And then I was a commercial real estate broker, and moved to LA about 16 years ago or so. And I got into the dispensary um, space, and I it's through real estate. And I became a partner in five different dispensaries, all under the same brand called Kush Kingdom. But my Focus was always the therapeutic properties of the plants. So I kept noticing, and sort of my ADD allows me to hyperfocus or do like eight things at the same time. And I, this this thing where two people will come in, consume the same chemical variety, but have a completely different experience. And one of the guys that worked with me, he wanted to consume some cannabis, and so "What do you have?" And I'm like, "I have the sativa dominant hybrid." He goes, "No, no, no, that puts me to sleep." And I said, "No, no, no," I said, "Sativa," what do you mean? I said, Indica is the one to pursue you. He goes, not for me, it works differently. So that started my whole mission on trying to figure out why these two things. And I came across a video by a guy named Kevin McKernan, who was at that time the chief science officer of a company called Medicinal Genomics. Um, long story, just a little bit longer. Went to work with uh, Medicinal Genomics and my job was to travel around the country, get plant material from different cultivators, bring it to my lab, extract the DNA, and sequence it so we can start the first genetic library of different chemical varieties and and cultivars called Canapedia with a cane. And we put put it on the blockchain. And the parent company of uh, medicinal genomics was called Cortigen Life Sciences. And they did pharmacogenomics, uh, which is uh, drug interactions and based on your uh, DNA. So genetic predictors to different interactions with drugs, how people respond to drugs. So, and I became fascinated about the human side so the idea, and you know, that's kind of what led to, you know, our company endocana health was we have plant genetics, we have human genetics, both are super complicated. What can we do to merge those two together to give people a path of personalized therapeutics, personalized medicine? So,
3: in regards to Endocanna health, um, the future of personalized cannabinoid therapeutics. Yeah, you know, we love what your team is doing in the space. Uh, but for our listeners who may be unfamiliar, can you explain a little bit about the company? Um, you know, in layman's terms, the steps it takes to personalize canninoids as a therapeutic cost, etc. cetera.
2: Yeah. So we launched our company in December of 2017. And I think it's this important because people always ask about, well, what's the science? So the first six, seven months, all we did was research. We looked at every single, what's called the SNP, single nucleotide polymorphism. Think of it as a biomarker uh, or a gene. We looked at every single uh, gene that's associated directly or indirectly with the endocannabinoid system. Once we did that, we had to make sure we have peer review references for everything we say. So there, there is not one single report without a peer review reference. It has to have a peer review reference or else uh, it's not part of our system. And then uh, the second thing is we approached a company called Illumina uh, that makes genetic sequencing equipment and we asked them to make a custom chip for us. So right now uh, we genotype about 675,000 uh, genetic biomarkers. And the way that it works is we first create our kit. So our kit is called the EndoDNA Test. It's a buckle swab test. So think of it as a big Q-tip. You can order it online at Endo DNA. You can get it in store uh, the same way that you would do your like your 23 mirror ancestry, except that you don't spit into a tube. It's a big Q-tip. So you swab the inside of your cheek. We're HIPAA and GDPR compliant, so you have to register. If you don't register and you send your sample, we all know that it's you. And it's completely de-identified. So people always ask, oh, you're going to clone us. You're going to find our DNA. And... It's it's not if you if you're that important, somebody can swab your Starbucks cup and, and get your DNA. So it's not uh, that rare, uh, but it's de-identified. So we follow strict HIPAA guidelines for uh, AW, AWS uh, on HIPAA as well. So you swab, you register, you send your sample to the lab. It'll take two to four weeks for us to extract the DNA and sequence it and provide you a report. And I'll explain what's uh, what's covered in the report. Uh, the other part of what we do is, if you can, if you've already taken a twenty-three Me or an ancestry or family tree DNA, any other DNA test, you don't have to swab. You can take the data that you already own, uh, upload it to our site. We'll translate that and provide your report in about thirty seconds. So, to answer the question of what it is that we do, it's matching uh, cannabinoids and terpenes, as, as you were saying, Phil. It, it's more or less uh, when we met with the FDA, they said, "What is the purpose of your test?" And we said, "To help people either avoid or mitigate a possible adverse event." They said, "Great. This is what we want. You can't do, uh, you can't make any claims, and you can't talk about a disease." Now, a doctor can order the test, and they can do whatever they want with it. So, right now, we're looking at symptomatic conditions. So, we can't talk about Parkinson's, for instance, but we can talk about tremors or. Uh, You know, lack of uh, good sleep or mood when it comes to that uh, disease, that's a symptomatic condition. So we focus on symptomatic conditions, what people consume cannabis for, and where your genetics play a role. So cognitive function, uh, stress and anxiety, uh, mood, uh, inflammation and pain, sleep, all those things. So your genes actually can give you a predictive inference what your predisposition is to a certain uh, symptomatic event. So, uh, for some people, and to give you an example, for some people have a genetic predisposition to stress reactivity. So, if they consume uh, and and combine that with uh, you know social settings, so, so anxiety uh, through social uh, interaction. So, if you know this about yourself, and THC has a narrow therapeutic window as it is, but if you take too much THC, what will happen is it'll bind to your CB1 receptor. Squirt a bunch of anandamite into your bloodstream. So the anandamite can be useful. That gives you like sort of the runner's high and that gives you the euphoria. But if you have a little bit too much anandamite, now you're turning on the light switches for that stress reactivity, for that anxiety and that social anxiety. So if you know this about yourself, maybe there's a formulation that is more aligned with you that has uh, a balanced amount of cannabinoids. So one-to-one CBD to THC. Also, the terpene profiles make a difference as well, uh, because uh, you know certain ones have an affinity for receptors like uh, like beta-cariophilin, or certain ones give you that boost up of dopamine like limonene, where we consume or, or know that it's sativa-dominant. It, so The interesting part of that is you have genetic predispositions first. The second thing we look at is drug-to-drug interaction. So some people take supplements or different medications. We have people that are contacting us that are saying, I'm on my SSRI, I'd like to get off my antidepressant, and I'm taking cannabis with that. I'm even taking CBD. Well, did you know there was an interaction between your SSRI, your uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and a cannabinoid? And one of them can be an inhibitor, one can be an inducer. So you have to be really careful how you're combining different substances. And the real key of this is dosing. Dosing is one of the most important things. And we always t- uh, we're told, you know, it's about milligram per kilogram of weight. That's how you should be consuming. Well, we found that's not the case at all. It has to do with how you metabolize. So if I am an ultra rapid metabolizer, Uh, And I am of CBD, for instance, if I take the same amount of CBD that, you know, my business partner is a normal metabolizer, we'll have different experiences. I will metabolize it really quickly, you know, pee it out and create really expensive urine. And it won't be, uh, it won't be that efficacious for me versus him. The same thing on the THC side. And by the way, there's a series of genes, not to get way too geeky, but they're called cytochrome P450. So each one of these genes produces an enzyme that helps us metabolize something. So we were, you know, and was talking about uh, bagels and stuff. So we have one for gluten, we have one for lactose, and we can see that's why people have these gluten sensitivities. You have a predisposition for that, that's being epigenetically expressed based on lifestyle. And this is what I really want people to understand when somebody has a predisposition. So there's a specific cytochrome P450 marker for THC metabolism, it's called CYP2C9 there's one for CBD cyp 2c19 uh, and there's one for CBD and THC together which is 3A4 so if you're combining if you're consuming an isolated molecule of THC and I'm I'm going to be on a panel a Canada with phar- with Pharma people and I just we just had a practice run and they're all about single molecules and I'm explaining to them well you understand that you're actually metabolizing that single molecule differently than you would as a combined CBD and THC molecule. It's a different enzymatic pathway. So your experience with one isolated molecule is absolutely different than combined molecules. So understanding how you dose based on metabolic function is key because taking not enough is not gonna give you the experience that you want. Taking just the right amount is perfect for you because it's personalized individuals. Taking too much can trigger an adverse effect. Now. Nobody's ever, you know, died of cannabis, uh, quote unquote, overdose, but it can be a very uncomfortable experience. If my grandma, he's whatever, uh, somebody somebody older consumes an edible and has an adverse event, not only having a stressful event, but maybe some people have psychosis as well, which there is a predisposition to psychonomatic effects. So this is what we want to do to mitigate all these adverse effects. And the final part of that is the feedback loop mechanism. So the feedback loop is you have a protocol that suggests for you based on your genetics. You consume that protocol and you feed back into the system, patient report outcome, how did that work for you? You also combine your biometric device, so your wearable, your O-ring, your Garmin, your Fitbit, and then the, the machine learning starts making predictive inferences. So now we can actually guide people to a personalized therapeutic approach and that really is precision medicine. That's the way medicine should be done, regardless if it's uh, cannabinoids or it's my supplements or anything else I'm putting in my body.
3: So, you know, your, I just had a quick question. And so the report that comes through you guys after they've done the swab and everything, it has the pro, their cannabinoid profile. Now, when they go to a dispensary, do they take that with them and say, hey, this is what I need
2: for certain things or, you know a great question phil uh, the way that it works is you have your report so the one thing you can do is it'll give you a ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes that are more aligned to you so phase one you can actually go into our marketplace we don't sell any products in our marketplace but what we do is we use certificates of analysis from different manufacturers and we give you what the percentage match and geolocate that product. So if there is a product that's sold in your area and we have the certificate of analysis for that, we can show you that that product has a 70, 80, 90% match. And you can go to your dispensary or if it's a 0.3% THC or less product, you can order online and get it delivered to your home. But if you know your secret sauce, let, let's say it's, since I just use it as an example, uh, more of a one-to-one with uh, linole and beta in my primary and secondary terpene profile. While well, you're armed with incredible information because you can go into a dispensary, even if you don't use the platform, you can say, can you show me the products that you have that sort of align in my range? Where are the more balanced formulations? What are the test results? And as a consumer, I should be demanding that stuff anyway why are we putting things into our bodies that's a therapeutic agent without understanding was it tested you know are there are there uh, are there uh, are there contaminants in there so we should not be putting those things in our bodies and as consumers we should be asking our dispensaries and the people that are producing the products to make sure they have them tested not only for safety but also what is a terpene profile what's i would want to know that and the more we get consistency around the country on our testing and our production of products, now we can start putting people in those buckets. So yes, there's two ways to be able to get. Uh, that. So, but who's educating
3: the 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 bud tenders? I guess at the dispensaries. Then, like, are you? Because uh, if I say I own a dispensary, why wouldn't I want to have you guys come in here and teach our
2: our people running the the they're the front line there. Like I mean it's a great question, uh, and if my, my my philosophical sort of answer to that, and and I haven't owned dispensaries before, innovation uh, disrupts business operations status quo. So if your bud tender says, "Hey, you know what? I'm a dabber, and I love concentrates," and grandma comes in and says, "Hey, you know, I my back is hurting, this and that." Well, the butt tender usually makes a recommendation of what they consume themselves, which is not the way therapeutics should be done. Uh, the way, and nothing against butt tenders or some amazing ones, but our goal is to bypass the buttender tender because the idea is right. to actually go to the dispensary, ask whoever's working there to show me what it is that I'm asking for specifically. Right. Show me the products that are there. Now, the owners of those dispensaries and the manufacturers, the only thing that we should be asking as consumers is test your product. If you have product testing, and you can come in and you can scan the QR code and you can see, okay, these are the terpenes that are in there. These are cannabinoids that are in there. Great. Now we have a collaborative experience for a therapeutic journey.
1: I think this also straddles the line between um, the medicinal side and the consumer packaged good side because, uh, and this is just my opinion, but I, I really do feel like as a country, we have not kept up with the science um, of cannabis and there are so many people out there saying you know that it's 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 a great thing for everybody it's you know and when we clearly know that that's not a case the case it can be a dangerous substance it is not for everybody um you know there's science that's saying that you know you you shouldn't do it under 18 or even under 25. so i think there's um you know what you guys are doing is really interesting in that um you're doing it to arm consumers with more information when at the end of the day. Companies need to be doing more research in exactly this, like what works for certain people. So I think what you're doing is is great by by empowering, but also bud tenders aren't medical professionals. You know, at the end of the day, they're you're going in and, and I agree they have they have a great job and and you know, there's a lot of really great bud tenders out there. But, you know, I would want a tool like this, if you know, my aunt is going in talking about uh, sleeplessness or you know, or uh, menopause or whatever you know, whatever that is, and have them point to this test. Like, could this be an off-the-shelf test at a sold at a dispensary? You know, where a bud tender can be like, I can only take you so far. What you really should do is is learn a little bit more about yourself because everybody's endocannabinoid system is different.
2: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and it's exactly that. It's a, It can be a tool that's used in the dispensary, and it is in some dispensaries, but I just got back from Brazil, and Brazil has a, a federal system. Yes, uh, a certain amount of THC is still not legal there, but the way that they treat cannabis is really the way that I feel the future of cannabis should be treated. A doctor prescribes cannabis as a medicine. Then the doctor makes a recommendation to take an endo test. So we're still training doctors and doctors, a lot of them don't know the endocannabinoid system. So you're actually training doctors, but what you're doing with the endo DNA test, for instance, is you're following their own guidelines about doing no harm. So even if they don't know um, you know, cannabis that well or the endocannabinoid system, they can use the test to be able to help guide people so they can avoid those possible adverse effects. But then once they prescribe cannabis, then they deliver the actual, uh, you know, cannabis formulation. And it's not flour. Yeah, it's it's tinctures or, or sublingual delivery, etc. That's precise every single time. And then for them to be able to get the prescription next month, they have to the feedback. So they have to provide feedback on how that worked for them. This is the ecosystem that is going to lift the entire industry out of the dark ages because you're bookending the experience with, a healthcare professional, and I'm not saying everybody has to have a prescription for it. You're an adult; you should be able to get it. But it, as it, as you were saying, Anne, those it's not for everyone, and it may be for everyone. We don't know that, but it may be different things for everyone, right? It may right. not be the same thing. Right. There's over 400 different constituents in the plan, and talking to pharma, they have blinders on, and that's why you know psilocybin, for instance, is getting such a huge lift because. Wow, pharma can say, okay, it's one component. It is psilocybin. How much of that is in the fruit? How much psilocybin am I producing? I can measure that. But how do I measure 400 constituents? How do I measure 10? that They, they don't know how to do that. So for me, I would say maybe there's mutual parallel uh, lines that we can take. with there is a pharmaceutical approach and they're going to be in the game. They're in the game already. Uh, Jazz uh, bought GW for 7.3 yeah. billion. There's a lot of pharmaceutical, but maybe there's other paths. We have a supplementation path, right? That we can get our supplements at a, at our you know vitamin store. There is medical food products. There's all kinds of different categories that use more than one single molecule and we consume them and they're FDA approved. Uh, so there is a path already in place. The the challenge is that they need to figure this part out. And even drug manufacturers. So you look at um, Epidylex, for instance. That's a the FDA approved drug. So if you look at that, they sort of give themselves an out because they can say the net, the the therapeutic window is small. I can make a recommendation for uh, for Epidiolex for childhood epilepsy. And the dose is very high. So if I write in my black box warning that may cause liver issues, I gave myself an out because that's what clinical trials do. They show you what the side effects are. There are side effects, but the side effects are maybe more harmful if you're taking too much on your liver than it is... By creating a therapeutic dose that maybe just as a one to one, or maybe has some more THC or different terpene profiles. So these are the things that we have to be aware of when we're creating drugs, uh, at, you know, from from cannabis. The the other challenge is consistency. So if if and Phil asked a great question about well, now I'm armed with information. Where do I go? Where do I get it? Yes, you can go to the uh, marketplace on MyDNA Live, but. The challenge is if I'm in California and I'm going to get a product, I don't have any consistency to make sure that that same exact product is going to be available for me in right. Pennsylvania, in Florida, or anywhere else. So us as an industry, we have to create standards and guidelines because the government's not doing that. And I'm not a big government proponent, but there needs to be a standard. There needs to be a standard of testing. So I know that my product is safe, regardless of where I get it. and it needs to be a, a guidelines of consistency. Uh, Those are the things that are going to help us, you know, lift the entire industry. So, like,
3: hopefully somewhere down the line, we'll have your reports in with our other medical charts, right? So that our general practitioners can actually go through, you know, a lot of them, well, 99.9% of them still need education on this, right? Because everybody, like... If I bring it up to my guy, I'll get he'll roll his eyes and be like, "Oh, okay. I'll I'll just put it down here that you use it every day." Yeah, thanks. But um, you know, in in regards to the tests, like, do you need to take it just once and then that's it, or is this something like you should be taking once every year, or it you know just because maybe your DNA profile is updated or you it, it's like you need to change whatever terpenes you're currently using to something else like how does how does that work
2: yeah so dna does not change but well, your expression of dna changes right so it's a good question uh, you know our model is not about testing over and over and over dna but we do have a uh, epigenetic test that is going to be uh, coming out shortly so the idea is that you consume a protocol that's suggested for you based on your genetic predispositions So, and I want to make sure that people understand what that means. We're born with our DNA. We get half from our father, half from our mother and some of the genetic expression. So that's like, think of it as a a huge breaker box with a bunch of on off switches. So some of them, when we're born are turned on, like the ones for skin color or eye color or hair color, those are, those predispositions are in the on position. The other ones are turning on or off based on lifestyle. So what we put into our bodies, how we feed ourselves, our nutrients, our exposure to heavy metals, pesticides, all these different things. And the way that it works is your DNA communicates through four letters. So it, a computer has a binary code, ones and zeros, and then we have a user interface on top of that. Well, DNA communicates in four letters, a C, a T, an A, and a G. It's called a nucleotide. And those two letters are your genotype. So that's your genetic predisposition. So if you're using the endoDNA test, this is your GPS. This is your ways of life. It'll show you you have genetic predispositions to X, Y, Z, whatever that symptomatic condition is, there is a predisposition to opioid dependence. And if people don't know this about themselves, one in four people have this, when they consume opioids, now that switch that's turned off you by lifestyle, by consumption, it can turn on the dependence gene. So this is your understanding where the potholes are in the road, where the accident is, where the police are. That's part one. Now, the feedback loop is really important how it's working for you. And what we want to measure is the epigenetic expression. And how that's measured is different ways. There's something called messenger RNA. So you, these are the messages that go from your DNA to different cells and turn, uh, tell proteins to uh, tell your cells to create certain proteins or not. And there's also something called uh, methylation, some methyl groups. So you have a methyl donor, add or subtracted. And that's long-winded way of saying, yes, there will be a second test that is going to come in six months to a year after protocol. And what we're going to do is measure the genetic expression. So if somebody has a predisposition to uh, cancer or some of that, and they've turned on the expression of that gene, now our goal is to measure to see if that methyl group has been, uh, donor has been subtracted, so it's turned off. So we want to either turn on some things or we're going to turn off some things and uh, measure that. And if we can make it in in simple terms, one of the things we talk about is biological age. So chronological age versus biological age. We can measure people today. Like I'm uh, I'm a I'm 47 in my biological age, but I'm 51 in my chronological age. So if we can actually l- help people reduce their biological age and have them li- live longer healthier lives, that's really our overall goal. Uh, cannabis is one tool, but it's not the only tool. Looking at whole genome sequencing is what we're doing now. We can look at personalized supplementation, personalized nutrients, personalized vitamins, skin. We can use look at mental health markers, all those things. So it really becomes a precision medical approach to your own personalized health and wellness
3: so longevity is something that ann and i have been going back on the <laughs> last couple i knew
1: months. you were going to go there phil <laughs>
3: um but in terms of longevity so like where does endocanna health fit into that
2: yeah i mean that's uh, we're <laughs> we're going to be at the a4m conference uh, coming up uh, in orlando uh next week this is this is one of our huge focus areas because functional medicine is there shouldn't even be this, it's medicine and what you're doing is you're looking at the causes of what you're actually expressing feelings. So if I'm feeling some sort of pain, uh, traditional or you know Western medicine will give you a pill for that, or will give you a shot for that in your elbow. And what I want to know is, well, that's the expression. That's the that's not the cause. That's the the uh, the effect of what's going on in my body. So the idea of preventative medicine. And yes, longevity is a huge part of that because we wanna live, it's not about lifespan, it's about health span. Uh, The Last 20 years of our lives are spent usually in the worst health conditions and it's taxing on our families, on ourselves, on the system. So if we can actually prevent that from happening earlier on in our lives, that's our goal. So how endocannid health is involved in that Whole genome sequencing takes us from 675,000 biomarkers uh, to 64 million. So the idea is we do your entire genome. We can show you where your own personalized potholes are. We can uh, provide you different types of protocols, working with healthcare professionals. So you can look at peptides. You can look at personalized nutrients. You can look at vitamins. You can look at exosomes. Uh, We're looking at stumps, any type of intervention. And then we come back and we measure what the efficacy of that protocol is. And the idea is, as you were saying, Phil, longevity, let's bring your biological age down and let's measure the real health markers that make the most sense to having that longer health span and a healthier life. And that's where we're going.
1: I um want to talk, uh, so it definitely sounds like you guys are moving beyond cannabis um and and into things like psychedelics and and um we actually have another um, company that we work with doing um precision psychiatry, um which it's it's amazing to me that, you know, it's happened for it's been, you know for for cancer and all this other stuff, but no one's thought to do it for uh, mental illness. So I think that's a really, really um exciting front. but, um, if we can talk business for a moment, um, what is the cost of this? And then, two, how, who is your audience for this? Is it direct to consumer? So, I mean, we'll put a link in the show notes so people can order their own kits. Are you working um, on to, on an enterprise level with um, clinics or with doctors' offices or hospitals? Like, what's the what? How are you um, selling?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So. Currently today, the business model is we generate revenue three different ways. Number one, the sale of our kit, uh, the end of DNA test retails for 199 The second is the raw data upload. So if anybody's taken a 23andMe or uh, Ancestry, et cetera, uh, and uploads that, that's 49.95. And the third one is products. So we have eight patent pending products that we license out. Uh, they're formulation specific we license out to manufacturers all over the world. And we have a CGMP facility. Where we, we can manufacture uh, 0.3% THC or less products. And we actually send them to um, different companies, white label. We send them to different uh, companies around the world. So that's the current model today. Uh, who our audience and consumer is, is so we have a direct to consumer kit. So anybody can purchase it online or in a retail store. Uh, we also have uh, physicians, healthcare professionals, so we do partnerships with uh, companies, for instance, that do medical cannabis cards. So once you get your card, they can take a test and just kind of find out what to take, how much to take, and where to get it. And we work with a lot of healthcare professionals, uh, not only in the U.S., around the world. Uh, so those are our primary audience. And then resellers, and resellers, that white label, uh, you know, our kits and our um, our technology. now. Since we received our patent two months ago already, we're making a shift and we're waiting for this for over five years. So our patent is, if I can paraphrase, it's the use of DNA to guide people to uh, recommendations uh, associated with their endocannabinoid system through a graphical user interface. So it's very broad. And we just added to that patent uh, machine learning. So now our, our partners are asking us, if they can use the platform. So we are moving to a SaaS platform currently, which we will give our partners, our platform, which will be branded, think of us as like sort of Intel inside. Mm -hmm. It'll be powered by Endocana Health, but it'll be theirs because when I was in Brazil, everything needs to be translated to Portuguese. So now that we're giving you your box, here is your own platform with your own logos, Everything in your own language with your own products. Now you just turn on the reports that you want, and we're working with our bioinformatics team to uh, provide more and more and more reports, and then that feedback loop. So our overall goal as a company is to have the largest observational study in the world on everything. We started with the endocannabinoid system, and that's that's our primary focus, and we probably have. You know a little over seven thousand uh users with their feedback in our system but the idea is to have all this come into one platform from all over the world and then now we can start doing these i don't know my business partner calls a personalized five-star reviews and i i don't know how else to actually explain it so the idea is like i i was uh, getting ski pants and my friend was getting ski pants from uh from amazon and i'm a medium he's a medium I'm sort of on the shorter stockier side. He's very tall and lean, and we both got medium. Well, my pants were a little too long. His pants were a little too short. So, how do we get to a point where we actually create a personalized experience with everything that we put on? Just in our call
1: minds? it Goldilocks. <laughs>
2: that's it. That's a good idea. It'll be just right. So that's that's the idea. It'll be just right. So that's, that's the overall concept. I'm glad, Annie, you brought up mental health because we, we filed a patent on our mental health test called NeuroDNA. And the reason for that was completely by accident because I was speaking to a doctor in Florida uh, who's on the phone uh, with me and I heard some, some noise in the background. Somebody was yelling and she came back and said, hey, we have an emergency with a patient. I have to call you back. Now the clinic specializes... In ketamine, and ketamine and and, and cannabis uh, as well. And when I I I talked to her again, I said, what was going on? She said, we had a patient that had a sort of psychotic episode. So with ketamine, that happens, I had no idea. She goes, yeah, once in a while, and other psychotropics as well. So I went back to my team, and then the first thing we did, we discovered that there's genetic predispositions to treatment-resistant depression. There's like 30, yeah, close to 30% of the population have treatment-resistant depression, but they're still prescribed uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication that's not going to work for them. We know this up front, but know what will happen? They'll get all the beautiful side effects from that medication. So if we can help people understand that they may have treatment-resistant depression first, that's the first step. The next thing is we look at the binding affinity to all the different pathways. So serotonin, dopamine, GABA, et cetera. So we understand which psychotropic may be better aligned for that individual. And the third is adverse effects. So now we're looking to see which genetic predispositions they may have for adverse effects. So I'll give you an example. If somebody has a predisposition that's stress reactivity or anxiety associated with ketamine use, Perhaps they can use a beta blocker in advance or just give them some special care. If you have that one patient, hold their hand, reintegrate them differently. And same thing with psilocybin or or, or Ibogaine or LSD or MDMA. Or MDMA. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have all those things and that's the next path. So it's about that personalized experience and personalized therapeutics, regardless of where you go. And the business model, like I said, it's shifting more to a SaaS model, but the best thing that i've learned through my, my my trips uh recently around the world is the efficacy of the products and i just want to remind people we're talking about business we're talking about technology but after my talk i had a line of line of people for an hour speaking to each individual uh a non-verbal autistic kids there were uh, their mothers were saying now they're starting to speak uh a, a student that was put in like all the slow classes, never got above a D, is now a straight A student. Uh, psoriasis, I've, pictures, I pictures, I took myself and they gave me pictures of people who were taking steroids, taking medication. The psoriasis hmm. kept coming back. In three days of treatment, their psoriasis is visibly gone. What? Um, uh, a woman's mom who was couldn't walk. She was either in a wheelchair or she had to get help to walk. Now she's walking around uh, the block in the neighborhood. So we are we have to remember that we're connected to the outcome. What is the reason why we're doing this in the first place? And I think the industry as a whole uh, you know, loses that focus because you know we have public companies, we have all these pressures to be able to deliver and financially, but we have to connect ourselves to the reason why. What is the reason why we're in this? There's many other businesses. Why are we in the cannabis space? Yes, there was a green rush and everybody learned, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't really the case. Uh, it's a very complicated, it's the most regulated, unregulated business in the world. Think about the regulations mm-hmm. that are in place and it's that unregulated. You know, such a
1: dumb sentence, but so perfectly <laughs> describes what this industry is. And I've never really heard, heard it put that way before.
2: Yeah. So that's, uh, uh thank you. That's, uh, I, 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 sorry take, for calling I your dumb, sentence I take stupid. a dumb statement as a, a <laughs> compliment, but I, I've been called worse for now. But that's exactly <laughs> No, I'm it. not
1: calling you dumb. I'm calling the whole, yeah.
2: It is, it's, you know what I'm it's saying. It's totally dumb. It's totally dumb. And it, it, it makes no sense because you have all these regulations, but you still have a schedule one substance. So right. it's, it's mind blowing. And that's why we're looking to see what is the rest of the world doing. And there are countries that are doing it the right way. I'm not sure if it's 100% the right way, but they're taking a different approach or learning from what well, Canada did. I mean, one of the worst programs anywhere in the world, what California did. Think about it this way. Since California became recreational, quote unquote, whatever, adult use, I go into a dispensary with people who are who have illnesses and we can't find their... Pro- I have 100 shatters. On there i have diamonds i have all these different things but where are the therapeutic properties where's my four to one with these terpenes very hard yeah uh, i just went with somebody who's writing a book about all this stuff and i went with them and they we asked for the product they literally had one little shelf in uh, towards the back of the dispensary that had you know medical products uh there so yeah this is, this is the challenge with the industry i mean if we're gonna follow the money uh, it's going to be short-lived because the industry is going to change. This is not—it's a crop, it's an ag crop, it's a commodity. It's not the way. Yes, there'll be craft brewers, absolutely, as the you know Anheuser-Busch and there are some craft breweries. But if you're going to treat this as a therapeutic substance, we have to you know do better as an industry. So, I know we're running up on time here. What's
3: next for Endocana Health?
2: Well, next is whole genome sequencing. That's coming Q4. Uh, we, we're we also uh, in the middle of a series B raise, which will help us uh, create that uh, uh, Merida Capital is, uh, is lead on a raise. So hopefully that'll help uh, finish that out. And once we do that, we will have our entire SaaS platform built. And uh, it's whole genome. So it's yes. Phytocannabinoid suggestions, endocannabinoid system, but mental health—you know your your biological age, uh, you know longevity, health span, personalized nutrients, supplements—all those different things with the full feedback loop—that's the future, and that's sort of where we're, where we're going.
1: Uh, lastly, you're a music dude. It's your birthday. <laughs> what, what do you what do you listen to?
2: On oh, my birthday, what do I listen to? I was yeah, to it. I, I got. It's funny. I got. I got like ten different happy birthday musical uh, links. So yeah, uh, you know, my favorite is Stevie Wonder's uh, "Happy Birthday," and I do love uh, the Beatles. Uh, "Say It's Your Birthday," that one. But uh, man, I got, a, I got a. great one.
3: back in the day.
2: I got. I got one from uh, Weird Al Yankovic, his birthday song. So what do I listen to? It's it's funny. So my my girlfriend just bought me like a state of the art professional record player. I'm a vinyl collector, so I have to now hook that up. But uh, the first album that I'll probably listen to on that is uh, Let's Up and Two. It's my favorite Zeppelin album, so that's the one I got earmarked for uh, the first album going that turntable.
1: All right. That's awesome. Well, Len, and also before we let you go, congratulations on your award from the Medical Cannabis Fair in Sao Paulo. Uh, very well deserved, um, and we're we're definitely excited to see what you do next. So we're also going to put a link in the show notes um, to where people can can buy this, and um, you know, hope that uh, we can drive some traffic to your site. So um, I know uh, we're texting in the background already, like I want to do this. I want to do this. So we'll give uh, we'll give
2: all your listeners a special code. Uh, which That's they can
1: very generous
2: get a discount from. No, I, I really appreciate it. this. is an amazing platform. I love what you guys do, and and it's so much fun, and it flows really well. I, I do a lot of these shows, and you know, sometimes you're sitting and you're asking the same <laughs> questions, but I, I love the interaction. So, really, really good job. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, and happy birthday. Thanks to Len May, CEO and co founder of Endocana Health. Check them out at Endo, E N D O, Canna Health. I'm spelling that again for you all. E N D O C A N N A H E A L T H dot com. Uh, and we will have a number of links in the show notes, uh, uh, you know, for where you can um, get your test and uh, use uh, the friends and family discount. And as always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, please check us out on Twitter at the underscore green rush or on Instagram at the green rush underscore podcast, or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We love your feedback and guest ideas. And lastly, we have a new website. Yay. So uh, special thanks to, to our design team here. Um, they do great work and we really appreciate it. Um, okay. And don't forget to subscribe to the green rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take Shay one take.